everyone. Welcome back to One Day at a Time, hosted by me, Valerie. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I've really loved sharing stories with you all so far. And today I am extra excited because I am joined by a special guest, one of my best friends in the world, Max Johnson. Hi. Max and I have known each other since the very first day of college. And I will say he is my special guest for a very special reason. Our <laughs> very first Max Max and I are on a call right now and the look that just flushed over his face. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just I didn't know what the intro lights. That's right, and he didn't. But I wanted to tell everyone that Max is my very first guest for a special reason because our very first conversation was actually about podcasting. And both of us, we're like social media, pop culture fiends, and we've been meaning to start a podcast together for forever. I I think we're almost on the two-year anniversary of when we told a bunch of people we were going to start a podcast and <laughs> never did it. I think we told uh, one of our professors, and do you remember in that like discussion board we put that we were going to start a podcast? Yes. And everyone was like, how excited. <laughs> Not that I've ever hatched. So, Max, I would love for you to introduce yourself to everyone. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, how you got to Northwestern with me. I don't know if I've ever shared that I went to Northwestern, but Max and I met there. <laughs> Yeah, hi everyone. Like Val said, my name is Max. I'm 23 years old, so very young adult. I'm from a small town called Amory, Wisconsin, population about 3,000. Very rural, northwestern Wisconsin vibes. And then I ended up at Northwestern University, right in the Chicago suburbs. And Val and I both studied communication studies and that's how we met and became such fast friends <laughs> and i feel like we kind of went to very different paths i did a fair amount of research while i was in college working in a lab i kind of did it just for the money and then i built up skills and so now i do research um on different types of technology medical devices i'm a ux researcher which is not necessarily a profession I ended up in intentionally, but I really like where I'm at right now. And I think I'm still learning a lot and so exciting to see where I end up. But yeah, in terms of like not work or school life, I like to be outside. I'm starting a little garden, which is actually really exciting because I've got a small backyard. What else? I, I'm learning how to cook because I live alone and have a big, beautiful kitchen. So learning how to cook more. I'm currently in my quinoa era. Yes, he is. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love that, Moxie. Max is the human embodiment of sunshine. And truly, I don't know how I could have gone through four years at Northwestern without him. It was so fun just being in the same communication studies classes together, the same marketing classes. Like he said, we did go down very different paths career-wise. I was more of business path 
and he chose more of a research-focused one. But I do think that at our cores, Max and I are like the same person <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and in terms of our love for pop culture, the ways that we perceive the world, the people we choose to surround ourselves with. And I think that's why I value our friendship so much. And I'm so happy that he's here with me today. Thank you. So I chose this topic to talk about with you, Max, because this is something we've talked about many times. And I think it's a topic that is super relevant to our experiences at Northwestern and post-Northwestern. So like most students at university or young professionals, we were and have very much been trying to figure out what paths or what careers we'd like to pursue, what people we'd like to be and what lives we'd like to live. And so while we're navigating our early lives, we're still very young and impressionable. And it seems like there's just always so much noise and so much distraction in regards to the various options we have for our lives. And then there's also this continual underlying pressure to compete with our peers. It's not something that we're intentionally doing or something that we even notice most times, but we can't really help but to compare ourselves. And this comparison might take place at a career or professional development level or happen at a lifestyle level. And when this subconscious comparison takes place, we often feel like we're falling behind or we're not doing enough especially when we're seeing these people on social media celebrating their successes, these big internships or roles at your dream company, or traveling the world instead of doing school or work. Yeah, I think that something that we've sort of talked about is this idea that you're not behind, the internet just makes you feel that way, where we are living in such a world that like, we can see the lives of people who we maybe aren't interacting with every day and maybe wouldn't interact with in our day-to-day lives ever. But we're seeing how these people are seemingly doing so much and achieving so much. And my, I know just the other day I saw this TikTok of someone where it was like, this is how I make $10,000 a month living in Chicago at the age of 23. And I also live in Chicago at the age of 23. But spoiler alert, I'm not making $10,000 a month. And not that I don't feel value in my job, but it really kind of hit me in a way that I was like, am I behind? Like, what is going on here? Is there something that I've done that like, or some step that I've missed, I think is something that has also been a sort of question in my head. Ooh, very good question indeed. And hopefully one that we can unpack and answer in today's episode. So Max and I thought we would break up the topic of comparison into two big themes or buckets. The first theme that we really wanted to cover today was that comparison is the devil and the internet just makes it so easy 
So just to give a brief intro, when social media first debuted, it promised to help us maintain contact with friends and family, to share our ideas and opinions, and to meet new people with similar interests as ourselves online. And over time, it's really become more than that. We use it to network, to entertain ourselves, to share pieces of our lives, and most relevant to today, benchmark our lives to the lives of others that we see online. Mm -hmm. On a more macro level, this might be looking at the cover of Forbes 25 under 25, or a New York Times article and seeing child geniuses and feeling bad that you haven't really achieved that much at their age. On a more micro level, this might look like comparing yourself in terms of your lifestyle choices or professional development to your friends, your family, or your coworkers online or through social media. And on this micro level, it arguably feels worse because these are people that you know, people that you have one degree of separation, you feel closer to them. I'm wondering, Max, have you ever had any, or do you have any real life examples of how you might have benchmarked or compared yourself to others over social media or LinkedIn. And can you talk a little bit about that feeling? Yeah, I like this idea of benchmarking our lives. Or I don't know if I like the idea, but I think it's a great way to phrase it in a sense that often I think most of us don't post on social media every day, but there come these moments where it almost feels like a necessary thing to share with the world. And so these events are like graduation or getting engaged or married or going on a trip. Some of these events have sort of gone from moments in life that you capture for yourself to being moments in life that you capture for, I don't know if I would say the enjoyment of others, but for the viewing of others. And I think that's maybe where all this comparison dissonance sort of starts in a way that I think, and you sort of said this, that social media, when it first came out, it was a way to maintain contact with friends, which I think it still definitely is doing. But it's also sort of adding this level of things where now it's almost important that you can't have a big moment in your life without having a post attached to it for sure and so for me i think the most recent one was probably me graduating college like about a year ago where it's like there were and i know you and i even organized a photo shoot of our friends we did (laughs) that was a chaotic fun photo shoot i again apologize for showing up an hour late (laughs) In ballot fashion. (laughs) But that's the sort of thing where not even did we feel like it was something where this was just our friend group and how fun would it be to take pictures together in cap and gown. It was, well, like, that's what you do when you have a big life event. You have, like, a photo shoot. In In a sense that I think photos are great. And I love how, like, nowadays everyone just, like, has a camera in their pocket. And that's amazing. But I think when the camera is turned in on yourself, that's sort of where 
all these problems begin because we are the first generation to always be able to like film and record ourselves and i think that not that it's messed us up in irreversible ways but i think it has really shaped the way that we navigate this world i completely agree with you and i know this is not something new like the internet is a highlight reel right of our lives like social media the photos we choose to present they're like highly curated, highly filtered views of our lives. And I think because it is, it creates this illusion that we're all thriving and living our best lives, like all of the time. And when we see other people's successes online, we want to be able to celebrate it, especially if it's your friends or family. But I think intrinsically, we really can't help but also compare ourselves to that. You might feel like you're not measuring up to your peers if you see them getting promotions at their role at their company or getting a dream job that you might have had. And it kind of exacerbates feelings of inadequacy. I know a lot of us, like especially at schools like Northwestern, we struggle with this feeling of imposter syndrome. And I think that imposter syndrome is exacerbated by this as well because we almost feel like we're lying to ourselves as well we project this perfect view of our own lives and behind closed doors we know that it isn't that perfect and so we feel like we're living a lie what do you think max yeah i think that these sort of feelings of comparison not that they were sort of ingrained in us, but I think that when we started college, there was this whole sort of new aspect of it that you were just kind of touching on that this career aspect that at least I feel, and I think you would probably agree that before college, I think in my head, I was thinking career, something that comes after college when you get a job after graduation, but it really started, I would say the, one of the, like one of the first things, like when we got to campus where all of a sudden, like there were job fairs and people were having resumes as a college freshman where it's like, what would I put on my resume? The like <laughs> the jobs that I worked at in high school, like that's not really applicable for a corporate gig. But I think that um, this whole career aspect of comparison is something that is uncomfortable in a different way where I think it sort of started with internships during college where all of a sudden out of nowhere people would be getting internships and not out of nowhere but I think that it just happened in a way that for example I'm a first gen low income college student and so I didn't necessarily have the same context that other people did coming in with knowing that they needed to get an internship and mm -hmm. knowing the steps to do that and to come and have a resume and even to have experience that you could put on a resume mm -hmm. and so i think that especially for me there was always this sort of level of comparison and i don't even think i got on linkedin until maybe the end of freshman year because i didn't think that there was a need for it and I actually would still advise that if you are listening to this at college, <laughs> do not go and get LinkedIn just because you're hearing this. But I think that there's just 
so much going on that I wasn't even aware of when it came to career stuff. And I think learning that has been a steep curve, but it's also figuring out what feels best for me. And I think also not trying to fit into a certain box of career or professionalism and finding out where there's kind of that happy medium where you're not necessarily comparing yourself to others because the the thing is is that everyone has their own career path i mean we took probably 10 classes together in college so we had a lot of the same curriculum but we're on very different career paths and i think that there's so many people who are working jobs that i know i would never want to do but i can't help but compare myself to them and especially so graduating college last year i still did not have a job mm-hmm. And I think that was maybe one of the biggest sort of struggles in comparison that I went through was in your head, it's almost like, well, of course, like by the time I'm graduated, I'll have like a job offer lined up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that. I Granted, I had a couple interviews in the works and I was still sort of going through some processes. So I wasn't so in a terrible, dire situation. But I think that that was a really hard time because so many people were graduating and had full careers lined up and knew exactly where they were moving to and who they were going to live with. And I just felt so adrift in this limbo of, well, I don't have a job and I don't know where I'm going to be living. And that was, I think, a big sort of comparison in that career context where it was hard to go on LinkedIn to look for jobs yeah. and have to like scroll past people being like, here's my awesome job at this like great company where it's like, granted, would I want to be doing their job specifically? Probably not. But like the fact that they had a job was something that I was envious of. Yeah. We live in capitalism. And so you have to have a job to make money and I think that was something that really was sort of this devil of comparison. For sure. I do think that this feeling is especially prevalent when you're in a intermediary stage of your life, like graduation, where a lot of things are changing and they're changing very quickly. And like you mentioned, Max, everyone around you, you know, they have a different career path that they've chosen. But even then, we can't help but compare ourselves and our unique paths to theirs, even though they're wildly different and it makes no sense. But we always have at the back of our mind that question of what if, like, what if I had decided to do what they're doing instead of what I'm doing? It's like, am I making the right decision by pursuing this unique path? Do I want to transition? Are they happier than me? And therefore, I should do that as well. Right. I think that, oh, what's the cliche? The grass is always greener on the other side. I think that's something that I I feel like I've heard that over and over since a child. And I think that it didn't really become that clear to me until very recently where it's like, I don't know if their pastures are greener on the other side, but they're different. And yeah. I think that, because of the internet sort of opening up all of these like possibilities that I didn't even think 
I knew coming into college, like full disclosure, when I like applied to go to college, there was no chance in my mind that I thought I was going to graduate and become a UX researcher. I don't think I had ever had any research experience. I had never worked with anything user experience wise. Mm -hmm. And so it, not that it didn't make sense, but something where there's so many different career options that you can have. And so by not limiting, but I think by like being exposed to new things through the internet, it has opened up my capabilities and my possibilities, but it also has sort of opened these new dark pathways of like, well, that job looks like it's a lot of fun and it pays well and they get to do such cool things. But is it really that much better? I don't know. Reflecting on my own professional development journey, I definitely experienced this phenomenon that we're talking about. Like coming into college, I was learning about all of these new career paths similar to UMAX mm -hmm. that I didn't know about before, which was a great thing because it led me to where I am now. Um, but it always felt like I was simultaneously questioning the direction of what I wanted to do with my career the entire time. Yeah. Especially because of what everyone around me was pursuing. So a little bit on my career aspirations in college. As you know, I came in communication studies my freshman year. I had initially actually wanted to pursue a career in diplomacy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I, I could have been working for the UN by now. <laughs> but I came in wanting to pursue a career in diplomacy. So I was a communication studies, international studies double major. And a few factors went into changing that. So my freshman year, I studied abroad in Beijing. I was doing a political and economic development program. And through the program, I met a lot of diplomats that were working in Asia at the time. I learned a lot about their experiences. And I realized that wasn't necessarily the lifestyle that I wanted to lead. I am someone who very much is results driven. I want to be able to see the fruit of my labor in whatever work I do. And I feel like with diplomacy, it is definitely something that it, it just takes a lot more pushing um, to get something across, especially when you're working somewhere like Beijing. Yeah. yeah. So after that study abroad program, I ended up reevaluating what I wanted to do with my career. And I did this by considering what it was about diplomacy that had drew me to it in the first place. And so for me, that was very much the nuances in intercultural communication, being able to indulge my curiosity 200% of the time with all of the learning about different cultures and meeting new people. And then there was just something so intimate about it all. Yeah. And so one of the closest careers to diplomacy that characterized all of these things that I could see myself in was marketing. And that ended up being the route that I pursued for the rest of my college career. And one that I began pursuing full force when I came back from study abroad in my sophomore year. That was when I had joined a business fraternity and had enrolled in the marketing certificate with Northwestern School of Journalism. The entire time that I was on this marketing track, 
I honestly loved it. The projects were super engaging and it was the right mix of more qualitative, customer-driven decision-making and quantitative data analytics. But though I thoroughly enjoyed what I had been studying and doing at the time, I was also constantly getting my head turned by what I was seeing online through LinkedIn posts or stories that were being shared by my business frat, being tempted by other career paths that were super prevalent in our campus, like consulting, and the lifestyles and salaries that those paths promised. As you know, historically, marketers don't make a super high salary in comparison to other business roles like investment bankers or consultants. And I definitely think the combination of one, me wanting to be able to make a higher salary to support my family and prove the value of my education, along with to the unspoken pressure of funneling into a traditionally prevalent path on campus like consulting made me question my own gut feeling and my own career interests. And I'm in a product management role today. I know a little bit of a change for marketing, but um, adjacent. And it's exactly where I need to be right now um, to start my career. But I often reflect on how I likely wouldn't have been here if I had at some point during college given in to some of those pressures. I don't know if you have any thoughts that you wanted to share on this facts, but... Yeah, I, I, I've got... I've always have thoughts, but I think that especially... And I know that I could fully go into this for an hour, but in a society that sort of places value on you based on how much you are making it's really hard to not see jobs that just inherently do pay more where it's like well if you're working in this like very fast-paced business job where you're doing investment banking or venture capitalism and all these things that like historically pay very well it's hard to not compare yourself to that and i think there's also just sort of this privilege in comparison where I know you were saying traditionally marketing doesn't make that much money, but it makes more money than someone who is working just a minimum wage job or things like that, where it is sort of this privilege of comparison to be like, oh, like I wish I was making that much money, but you're already making more money than a certain amount of people in this country, at least. And so that's hard to do where, how do you prepare yourself without necessarily feeling guilty? I think that's such a good point. And I think that also it's hard because um, there is sort of this, this way that people act where they act like they have gotten to where they are without any struggle. And I think that that's something that we sort of Maybe you need to be more upfront about because on LinkedIn, you'll see someone post and they'll be like, I just wanted to announce that I got this new job. I'm so excited for it. Thank you to these people who interviewed me. Thank you to these people who connected me. And thank you, like all these people, which I think great to show gratitude and thanks. But also they're not saying, I got this job. I was applying for six months. I had four interviews that I never heard back from. I got rejected a couple hundred times. And so I think 
it's just hard to know that people are struggling if they're not showing it. And that's this whole thing of the internet making us feel like we're behind because people don't show their struggle. And I don't know if, I don't know if the solution is to be showing the struggle, but I think it might just be being more upfront about the fact that no matter what sort of benchmarking thing you're having, whether it's graduation or have having a wedding or getting a new job or having a baby all these things are not like an instantaneous beautiful moment there's so much buildup and struggle to get to that moment which i think is why we then are feeling so compelled to to benchmark it and to show it and capture it to then show to others to be like yeah but that's not necessarily what the intended message is because the intended message is I struggled, I made it through, and here's the product of my struggle. Look at how great I'm doing now, where we only see it as, look at how great I'm doing now, and we're not seeing that struggle. Yeah, and I, I know we've been talking a lot about, you know, this idea of comparison when it comes to your career and the things you choose to do professionally. But I also think, like, this happens on a social and recreational level beyond LinkedIn, even just scrolling on TikTok or on Instagram and seeing people who are your age, like traveling, taking vacations and really happy relationships, like looking super fulfilled. You might feel shitty about yourself because you might question whether or not you're doing enough in your own life. I think that this makes you feel a lot less confident of whether or not you're living up to your full potential. Right. I I know we used the phrase earlier that social media is a highlight reel. And so I, we have to take that grain of salt that, yeah, they're really only showcasing the best moments of their life. But I think it's also really interesting to like fully acknowledge that some people's highlight reels do look better than my life. <laughs> and yeah. And so I think that's while, such a good point, Max. While it is like, yeah, they're only showing the best moments of their lives. And I'm sure that the people who are making me feel jealous or feel this imposter syndrome do have bad days. I think I can't discount the fact that there is probably. A difference where my highlight reel is just not as bougie or has as many friends or has as thriving of a relationship or things of that nature where there is that green assault that we have to give but you can't help how you feel about it and i think that that's something where this this sort of personal aspect of it not not necessarily a career context but where it's showcasing oh me and my friends went on this like 10-day cruise and it's like wow that's like wild or i'm backpacking through europe this summer and it's like that's great that you can both take the time off of work and financially sustain yourself in europe for several months but i i think that there's this sort of aspect of comparison where we have to kind of just acknowledge that there are differences from me to like a famous TikToker, like that's jetting across the world going to events or not even TikToker, but like a celebrity where it's like, well, not even a celebrity necessarily people like we went to school with or people we know in our own lives. 
True, I guess. But there's maybe this sort of aspect of who you classify as a peer. Mm. Because the thing is, is if I'm seeing a celebrity, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling like they're someone on my level. And so there's no JC yeah. if I'm seeing someone on a red yeah. carpet or something like that, because that's not my life. And they're also not someone who I interact with ever. But I think especially being at a college that does have sort of that elitism that Northwestern has and like it was a great school but I also think we have to acknowledge that it was a lot of very wealthy people who had a head start in some aspects and I think that seeing sort of these people then become my peers it's hard because these sort of peer-to-peer comparisons make you feel like you should be on their same level when sometimes you aren't for sure that is like a great place to wrap up with this first big theme of ours maxi yeah and i think the second part of our podcast we wanted to talk more about how we shouldn't blame ourselves for feeling this way for feeling guilty or like we're not enough because We have to remember there are hundreds and thousands of people at huge companies paid to spend every hour of their working day figuring out how to engage you longer. And comparison or seeing the highlight reel is a part of that. That being said, what are some ways that we might be able to alleviate some of this worry that we experience? Some people say that you should altogether delete your social media or get off of the internet. But let's be real, in today's world, that is impossible. Because like we stated at the beginning, there are so many great things about being on social media and staying connected with everyone. But I think that we have to remind ourselves constantly that these images that we see online are again just the highlight reel of people's lives and behind that shiny exterior there's likely a very different story and we never really know what people are going through behind closed doors more often than not it's not as straightforward clean or pretty i mean most of the highest achievers and performers that i know in my own life and in mainstream media in any field, in business, in medicine, in science, whatever, have had to sacrifice other parts of their lives in order to achieve so much success in their careers. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, Maxi, are there any ways that you think we might be able to alleviate some of this feeling? Yeah, I think that there's so many things that social media is set up to do in a way that can sometimes be negative, but I think there are also ways that you can sort of use the technology at hand to not necessarily make you feel better, but to sort of lessen these feelings that we're all sort of having. And I think the biggest thing is when something does make you feel like happy or you see a friend do something and you're really excited for them. I think that sometimes we have these moments where we'll see it and we'll just click like and scroll on. But I think taking the moment to comment or share it with other people or text your friend directly and say, 
wow, you really killed this outfit. I think acknowledging the moments that make you feel happy is something that is really great. But then I think on the flip side of that is to just know when you have hit your limit. And I think for me specifically, there were people who every time I would see them, it's like, wow, like you were just so great and so far ahead than me. And seeing you in this aspect of my life is making me feel, I wouldn't even say jealous. It just is making me feel less than. And unless they're like someone who you absolutely need to follow, it's sometimes better to not have to see that person and clicking unfollow or muting them or i don't really block people but if it needs to be taken to that level go for it the thing is if there's something specific a specific topic if you're seeing if you're a nurse and you're applying for nursing school and seeing all of these nurse tiktokers it's like it might not be the best thing to see how much they're making and comparing that and feeling sort of less than in that way. Or if you're someone who is trying to find a partner and going on dates, it might not be the best thing to always see your friends be posting their partners all the time. And so I think knowing when you've sort of hit that limit and saying, okay, I don't like how this content's making me feel. And there are active steps I can do to limit me seeing this content. Because the thing is, is you don't have to, if you don't see it, you're not going to even feel anything about it. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> right, which is sort of a, an old saying, but if I don't see the LinkedIn update of someone getting a new job or the Facebook update of someone having a new engagement. I think that that's something where if I don't see it, I'm not going to feel bad about it. And I think oftentimes the people who I'm comparing myself with the most are people who aren't my close friends, but it's just people that I'm connected to. And I'm sort of seeing them in this close enough, but still far off way where I can't quite reach them. It's like, we're not close friends. I don't think that they're going to miss seeing my content and I would be better suited if I didn't see theirs. I think it's a, it's totally fine to like unfollow or not interact or not even see it. For sure. Do you have any tips that you've used? I think you make such a good point, Max. And I resonate with your experience of like these people that we often compare ourselves being like two degrees separated from us. Like it's, it's not so much your close friends. Whenever I see my close friends succeeding, I just want to be happy for them, right? Yeah. As for tips, I think for me, gratitude has been such a helpful practice. I think when we compare ourselves to others, when we're scrolling through social media and looking at these images, we tend to over amplify our own negative experiences. And we forget about all of the positive, amazing things that we've achieved in our lives. Mm -hmm. I think for me, gratitude requires a lot of reflection, digging in within myself and feeling grateful that I could wake up another day to go to work, you know, that I could wake up and work from home when a lot of people can't, that I'm healthy, I can go running, I can eat good food, I can spend time with my sister and with my friends. And I know those things are like 
super mundane, but I think it's a privilege to be able to be in that position to begin with. Right. Yeah. And so that helps ground me. So number one would be gratitude. And then the second thing would be, I often do this where I like try to remember what my life looked like when I was 12 years old, or I look back and reflect on a younger version of myself. And I think of how proud or how awestruck that 12-year-old version of Val would feel like looking at who I've become today. When I was 12, I was such a dorky kid. I was like a chubby Asian girl. I was living in Puerto Rico still, and I was the only Asian there. I was super unathletic, did not know what I wanted to do, of course, felt super insecure. And like looking forward to today, I like feel pretty confident in my ability to deliver good work, have been lucky enough to attend one of the best universities in the States. And, and these are things that like when you're younger, you can't fathom, but now that you've gotten here, looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, a 12-year-old me would be so proud. And as a 22-year-old today, I'm often so forward-thinking, like, what's in my future? What is the next career move I want to make? Yeah. You know, what am I doing next week? What am I doing next month? What vacation is coming next? That I often forget to, like, just relax, to look back at what has happened within the past few months the past few years and reflect on how much has changed or how much I've grown or achieved and to like give myself the time and space to celebrate those achievements yeah I I love that I think that kind of this past self and I know you said 12 year old Val but even I feel for me sometimes it's like one year ago two years ago I don't think I could have fathomed where I would be in life and the fact that I do I'm like my life keeps progressively getting better it's just oh sorry that was a weird thing to say no but (laughs) in the way that even when I was 18 19 I don't think I could have seen where I was going to end up and I think that version of myself would be really proud of where I am now and so it's not even this like child self it's like this sort of self of even just a couple years back that I don't think I could have seen in this position. But I also really, really resonate with the gratitude aspect that you were touching on in the way that we do have so much to be thankful for. But um, if those things that you're thankful for are people, it's like really such a great thing to reach out to someone and say like, hey, I know it's been a minute but you've really made an impact on my career or my life or things of that nature and yeah i guess i'll end with one thought because when you're talking <laughs> gratitude yeah one of my one of my favorite musical artists her name's coffee and she is the only woman ever to win best reggae album at the grammys and i yeah. am not a huge fan of reggae but i heard her tiny desk concert and she's got multiple songs. One of my favorite ones is called Toast. She's got another one called Times 10. And the whole like purpose of the song is like just gratitude, where it's being thankful for the opportunities she's had. And even though she's a successful singer and is headlining 
festivals and concerts, it's so refreshing to just hear music about being thankful and having these moments of gratitude in our lives that even such people like her are so focused on gratitude. And so whenever I think of gratitude, I always sort of think about her music and just her vibe. If you watch her Tiny Desk concert, which I all recommend you do, she thanks all of her band members and all the audience. And it's just this moment where wherever you are in life, it's great to be grateful to be there. I, I think so, yeah. And and what sucks is like sometimes gratitude is something that you realize like after this kind of sucks, but something that you realize after you've been in a bad situation, right? Like you never realize how good you have it until you no longer have it. So like I was thinking about this past week, I hurt my ankle and so I haven't been able to run lately, and anyone who knows me knows I love running. It makes me feel good, it makes me feel strong. Summer is coming, and the weather has been getting better in New York, so I've been spending a lot of time at the park. But after hurting my ankle, I haven't been able to do that, and it just made me super reflective of like what a blessing it is to be able to run in the first place, and to be able to be in good health. Again, something that is so mundane, you know, the ability to walk or run, but like something that I feel very grateful for right now. (laughs) Yeah. And with the running theme, I mean, I was literally telling Max the other day over text message that a 12-year-old version of myself, dorky 12-year-old Val, could have never imagined like how far I can run today because I could barely run like half a mile when I was younger. And even though I see on social media all of these images of people finishing marathons or doing triathlons and then feeling shitty in comparison because I'm not running a marathon or doing a triathlon, I feel amazing when I think of how far I've come since age 12. (laughs) Yeah. So because Max is my special guest and my first ever guest for today's episode. I want Max to be able to close us out. Okay. I'm fully doing this on the fly. (laughs) Val, I am so grateful to have been your first guest. Um, Truly, what an honor. I am so excited to see where this podcast journey takes you. And I will be there behind the scenes every step of the way. I am so excited to sort of hear what people's thoughts and feelings are into the discussion that we had today because we're just two people. I think that there's so many voices that could add a lot of depth to this conversation and comparison. And I think something we haven't touched on, but we could do a whole podcast on is intersectionality and identity and how those play into this level of comparison. and. Maybe that'll be the sequel podcast, but (laughs) I think that I'm excited to hear people's reactions and thoughts and feelings. And so feel free to share those with us uh... and find me at Instagram at Max underscore and underscore Cheezen. You can find Val at at Val G Fong. Is that it? (laughs) Yes, you got it. 
please rate, review, subscribe to One Day at a Time. We're all gonna get through it. We're just gonna get through it one day at a time together. I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today, Maxi. That was the best way that we could have possibly ended this. I adore you and I can't wait to do another episode with you soon. Thanks so much. Love ya. Talk to you later. Love ya. <laughs> Talk to you in two minutes. Over test. <laughs>